Live. This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Ready for this. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast. Featuring New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. Had a good run of football shows. We're going to wrap up the football season this week. We're going to recap Super Bowl 56. Rams top the Bengals 23-20. to 20. I'm going to be joined in just a bit by the host of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, Joe D'Aloisio. We're going to break it all down. What went right for the Rams? What went wrong for the Bengals? We're going to do all that. And we're also going to do what we usually do with Joe in the, in the off-season tradition. We're going to start looking ahead to what could happen in the NFL over the winter. We'll do that with Joe in just a bit. Also, as part of the annual tradition here on the Justin Suffering Podcast for the Super Bowl show. He's joined by our pop culture correspondent, Andrew. Let's talk about the halftime show, the commercials. General consensus seems to be that the halftime show was amazing, spectacular. The commercials, not so much. We will dive into more specifics with Sam. Make sure you're locked in at the end of the show for this week's two-minute drill. I'm going to give you the latest on the LB lockout. We're covering this more next week. But if you have the opening day tickets, I would be getting a little nervous right now. Before we dive into the show, I also want to mention here, you like what you're here on the Just and the Suffering Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform, and final episodes there. So for your feedback and star ratings as well, that way the podcast even better going forward. Check that out. They help make the podcast there, so please do it if you like the podcast. You also check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of our conversations with the guests are up on YouTube channels. So the chats with Joe and Sam are going to be up there, so again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into our recap of the big game. Right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. We are back here talking Super Bowl 56. The Los Angeles Rams are your new Super Bowl champions. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20 to on Sunday night. Joining me today to recap, it's come an annual tradition here on the podcast. The host of the Shard Cheddar Podcast here, Joe D'Aloisio. Joe, how are you? Mike, I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, having me on as always. How are you? Doing pretty good. I mean, Super Bowl was fun. I thought the game was a lot better than the one we got last year. And I think it was nice to be a little more normal than we were last year. Yeah, things certainly seemed and felt a little bit uh, more normal. In terms of the game overall, I mean, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was the greatest Super Bowl. I didn't think it was the worst Super Bowl. It was really really in between. I didn't feel like any team did anything particularly well that surprised me. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the two of the previous three were duds because you had that low-scoring Patriot-Ram one. Then you had the last year's game was a blowout because Tampa couldn't I mean, Kansas City couldn't stop Tampa's pass rush. So I think this one being competitive the whole way through was a nice change base. Oh, without, without a doubt. And the fact that Cincinnati had a chance uh, at the end, that always makes it great. Um, and it kind of wrapped up the entire theme of the, the postseason as of late of these close um, last drive kind of walk-off wins, which was nice. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, before we get into the game here, I got to ask you, in the age of the legalized sports betting in New York, I'm sure you put some shekels down the Super Bowl. How did you do? Yeah, well, this is actually going to surprise you. Um, I, I opted not to put 
any shackles down. I know uh, for the podcast purpose, that doesn't help uh, our conversation. I did have a, a few Super Bowl boxes that didn't come close to hitting, so that's always a plus. So my shekels were dedicated to some bigger Super Bowl boxes that were unsuccessful. With that being said, I did have a potential seven-leg monster parlay that I was contemplating about pregame that I did not put in. Um, and what was in that game? Uh, what was in that parlay? I haven't written down, so I need to look it up. It was somewhat outrageous, but not really. Uh, Cooper Cup anytime score, which is nice. Makes sense. Um, yep, sixty plus yards for Cooper Cup on the alternative line. Higgins plus uh, fifty yards on the alternative line. Rams win margin between one and thirteen. Rams money line, and I would have obviously hit all of those. Uh, with ease, but where I would have gotten burnt and I would have went home as a loser, I had Samaje P run over 10 and a half receiving yards and Burrow over 11 and a half rushing. So, I mean, obviously I wouldn't have hit because both of those were nowhere near the number. So uh, I didn't spread as many shekels as I, I potentially could have. Well, how about yourself? How did you do? I did pretty well. I mean, I think I did better on my DraftKings like bets than the FanDuel ones. DraftKings, I did miss a parlay by like a smidge because I had I think the Ram money line, Odell anytime scorer, Matthew Stafford over 290 passes. I missed 283. So I missed that by seven yards. I would have won a cup like about a buck fifty, which would have been nice. Oh, that would have been a nice hit, buddy. Yeah, I had a couple. I had a couple Evan McPherson props hit because I was big on him. I had a couple of like Odell things going on there. I got an odds boost in the mix here. No boxes either, so we we're on the same page. The boxes. Yeah, I mean the boxes were an absolute disaster. I'm like. I am the equivalent of boxes as Aaron Rodgers is in Super Bowl. You know, I won my one Super Bowl. I won my one box once. And then I have, I don't think I've won a, a box since at this rate. So I don't know. Maybe I should pack it in. Yeah. Speaking of the boxes, I got a box etiquette question for you. Okay. Yeah. So let me know if you ever heard of this. Apparently of the order of the teams on the sheet matters. Apparently they're supposed to put the home team on the top of the boxes and the road team on the, on the side. Is that something you've ever heard of before? Uh, yes, I've seen some people follow that. I've seen some not. Uh, I don't think that bothers me that much. Um, if you're talking etiquette, what I'm more concerned about with the boxes, especially for those that run the box, um, if you win, take care of the person that won, you know, that that set up and organized the box. Um, I don't like those people that hit hit big and then they don't uh, they don't give a few back for the person who runs it. Yeah, well, I'll speak uh, just in terms of box etiquette. I'm going to point out here, like, my dad was, some coworkers were in a pool where, like, they got handed sheets of big money boxes. I think it's like, there's like, I've, I think five of them have to split box tells you how expensive the boxes were. So the sheet oh, gets wow. handed out, and then it says at the top, like, bang, it says on the top, like, Rams on the top, Bengals on the side. I think it's supposed to be reverse. So then the guy who runs the pool after the sheet comes out says, like, sorry, guys, it's reversed. Like, I think that's Bush League. Oh, well, listen, if it was originally printed, and numbers are drawn, and that's what it is. Yeah, because I wouldn't. Where, where was it then changed after the fact? No, the copy that he had was like the original original version, and they would have hit a box. And now they are not; they're out of luck. No, that I have an issue with that. I, that I have a huge issue with. Yeah, I I do too. Because they would have they would have split like five. I guess nice little some money five ways. Now they're not happy about it. Yeah, I wouldn't be happy about that either. Let's I wouldn't go back to that organizer, though. Yeah. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Let's go somewhere else in here and not be happy here, which for me is the fact that the officiating played such a big role in down the stretch of this game. I mean, obviously, they have the big gaffe in the third quarter where they missed the face mask from T. Higgins on when J he to toasts Jalen Ramsey for the touchdown. 
Other than that, the game's pretty quiet. You're going, wow, the refs are not involved. It's just playing out. All of a sudden, at the end, flag, 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 a couple of questionable flags. We got people on Twitter saying that the game is rigged. Did it bother you how much the referees got involved at the end of that game? No, not at all. And I didn't think they were involved. I didn't think their decision-making played a role in the outcome of this game. And I think that's a lazy narrative for everyone, anyone that is complaining about the officiating in the Super Bowl. If anything, I thought they let them play. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll use an everyday um, analogy, I guess. So, yes, did they miss a flag on T. Higgins? Absolutely. All right. But did they get the right call at the end of the game with the with the holding of Cooper Cup? I think so. I think we could agree on that. Yeah. So with that being said, I mean, like if we're going to if we're going to pick and choose and dissect every single play, I mean, for goodness sakes, like you, the referees are going to obviously play an outcome. But, you know, I, I, I didn't really think I didn't really have a problem with it. I had more of an issue that they didn't call that pass interference on T Higgins. Yeah. That one, and that, that, was, that, 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 I mean, that was so egregious. I, I had more of an issue that they didn't call that than the fact that they called it at the end of the game when it was absolutely, it should have been called. Yeah. I think the one at the end of the game I have an issue with is the, not the holding call. I think the one couple plays before was like a phantom pass interference call that basically turned, turned the fourth down to a first and goal. That was my big issue. Oh, I, yeah, okay. Again, a play like that, I mean, it's it's a it's a 50-50 call. It's luck of the draw. I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but you could, again, go back to earlier in the game when T. Higgins completely mauls Jalen Ramsey and you get nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can't I'm, – I'm not going to dive into it uh, that much, but I don't think that the officiating had, it, had any impact in this game. All right. You want to talk about impact in the game? How about the fact that Joe Burrow got sacked, what, eight times, seven of those times in the second half yeah. or whatever that yeah. number was. Like, I think that has a bigger impact than that last play. Yeah. It's definitely somewhere I was going here because I feel like obviously go back to the offseason of the Bengals. The whole thing that the draft was should protect Joe Burrow. Should give him a weapon. They chose to give him a weapon with Jamar Chase. Obviously that worked out great for them because he's the rookie of the year. Offensively, he's the go-to guy. He's making big plays throughout the season. That offensive line was never fixed. That offensive line allowed Joe Burrow to get sacked seven times. And to me, that's why they lost the football game. 100%. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Joe Burrow got smacked all season long. I mean, this isn't the, this isn't like, don't get me wrong. The the pass rush for the Rams is, is great, but Joe Burrow has been knocked down over and over and over all season long. I mean, that was their, that was their weakest, their, the weakest part, part of this team. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you. They don't fix that. They're gonna. They're. It's not gonna be easy to get back to where they just were. I mean, look. I'll use my team. Rogers has only been there once. He hasn't been back. It's not a guarantee that you know in your second year you get there you're gonna go back. There is no guarantee. And, and one thing for sure, you don't have that offensive line to protect you. I mean, I got nervous. I thought Joe Burrow got hurt. He was gonna not not come back in that game. I mean, you got. They need to build that offensive line. Yeah, because I know in terms of that offensive line, I, that sequence I think something that's the best is again right after the T. Higgins touchdown, Matthew Stafford throws a pick, and then you're saying, "Oh, great, the Bengals can go for the kill here and go get a score." A couple big sacks and they drive, they're kicking a field goal instead that keeps the game, Rams in the game. Big time. I mean, you turn that into seven right there. We're talking about a way different outcome. Yeah, and not for nothing, you go back and watch that final play where Joe Burrow has to heave it or it, you know just try to get it out of his hands and not take a sack. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the highlight, but. He, he's got Jamar Chase wide open down the field. Yeah. Offensive line. 
offensive line. It's definitely, I feel like, a mirror of that Tennessee game they played in the divisional round where, where Burr was sacked nine times. The only difference was that Tennessee kept turning the football over and making mistakes, costing themselves the game. The Rams made fewer mistakes and were able to overcome it. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And, I mean, you think about the mistakes that the the Rams made. I mean, the biggest one could have been uh, that, that second-half interception by Matthew Stafford. I mean, that could have been that could have been nailing the coffin, you know, momentum completely the other way. Uh, the other interception that Stafford had, I mean, he, he basically threw it into the opposing end zone. It, you know, that, that didn't do detrimental damage as what could have been if uh, the Bengals capitalized. Yeah, and obviously Stafford throws two picks in the game. So in terms of the MVP conversation, he basically took himself out with the two picks. Cooper Cup ends up winning the MVP. I think his final line is like eight for 92 with two touchdowns. It's that line will get it to you. But to me, I think they gave it to the wrong guy. I think Aaron Donald should have been the MVP because he was all over that football game. He makes the signature play at the end when he breaks through, gets to Burrow, nearly has the sack. Burrow throws away. And like, part of me wonders, like, if he actually gotten the sack on that play, they would have given him the awards to that cup. Okay, so Donald made the signature play on defense, but who made the signature play on offense? Yeah, Cooper Cup did. And who may and who has and I know it's the Super Bowl, right? And you're only looking at the Super Bowl in that one game. But I mean, I think you look at the the entire package. Uh, I, I don't know. I understand why a lot of people want to give it to Aaron Donald. You know, it could be his potentially his last game. He could be stepping away from it. But um, I don't think the Rams win without Cup's performance. I think they could have still won if Aaron Donald wasn't there. And you implement some other player. Yeah, also the th- thing that helps Cooper Cup also is that Odell Beckham went down the first half and the knee injury after he catches that early touchdown. And they have no one else to throw to because obviously Scrownick's still dropping passes. Van Jefferson can't really get open. It's really Cooper Cup or nothing for that offense. And, I, and I'll tell you what, I th- I give Cooper Cup even more credit because now as a, as a Cincinnati Bengals defense, you know where the ball's going. And Cooper Cup was still able to get his in that second half once Odell got hurt which completely changed the game. Oh, it absolutely and Stafford, did. And Stafford was still able to get the ball to to Cooper Cup. So, I mean, I give it to him. That guy deserved it. He had a hell of a year. Yeah, and I think we take a little bit. Guys, I think we kind of hit the, both the big points of the game because it was pretty ho-hum other than that. I mean, you had the Rams go out early, the, the Bengals control for a bit, and their camera pull away. So, I think the big thing here, the Rams come back, Rams win this game. I think a whole lot of legacies changed now that they have this trophy on on, on their trophy case. Yeah, I mean, I think a legacy, I mean, Stafford's legacy changes tremendously. Um, I, you know, Aaron Donald, Von Miller getting one, uh, another one, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, they pushed all their pieces, all the chips right into the middle and said, here we are, we are going all in. And, and they ended up winning it. I mean, there's, there's nothing else you could really say. You got to give them credit. If they would have fell up short, I mean, they would have reaped the – the consequence of, of pushing them I and going all in. I mean, that's the, uh, that's the name of the game. That's the chance you take, you know, if you go all in and it works great. If it doesn't, it could be kind of bleak for the next few years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, also Sean McVay goes in that tree too. Cause if he had lost a second Super Bowl with a, with the, clearly with the better teams, how they jumped out of the game would have been a big issue for him. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Sean McVay becoming the youngest coach in the NFL to win one. And, and I, I don't think he's done there. I think he, you know, he may have some more in his, in his, uh, in his pocket. Yeah. I think the point you brought about the team building thing is interesting too, because the Rams have been for years been doing what the opposite of the league's general mentality is. Oh, like build through the draft, use your first round picks, you know, get young homegrown talent. The Rams said, screw that. We're trading them all for stars. They gave up two for 
Stafford. They gave up two for Jalen Ramsey. They traded once for Brandon Cooks back in the day. They traded a bunch for Von Miller, and they won a ring. So now you wonder if more if this is sustainable for them. More teams are going to try and duplicate and say, "Hey, like you know, like let's just you don't know if we can get the first round pick, and if we are kind of ability to find mid round gems like Cooper Cup and so on." So why don't we just push our big chips in, get the proven stars, and just build around them? I mean, I, I'll tell you this. I mean, the, the NFL is not the NBA where the super, which are the super teams, you know, um, you build it in free agency. It's, it doesn't work that way in the NFL. Um, the Rams are an exception for being able to pull off what they just did. Think about the teams that have won uh, as of as of late. Um, a good example of that, a good nucleus of that team is draft and develop. I mean, there's just way too many guys on the field. You need to be successful in the draft. Oh, you do. And I think... The thing we mentioned also, the Bengals losing this game. I know it's very time to say, you know what? They're young. They have a very talented core. They'll be back. But as you mentioned, Aaron Rodgers, been to one Super Bowl. Dan Marino, went to one his second year, never went back. I mean, you're not guaranteed to get back there. And being that close, having to slip out of your fingers, that's be devastating. No, of course. Of course. I mean, I can only imagine what they're going through. And as someone who, who, who you know, who roots for the Packers and has only seen Aaron Rodgers get there once, I mean... And me thinking, you know, after he got there saying, you know, we, we could see a few of these, you know, I'm expecting a few of these and to not even play in one and another one. I mean, it's it, it's crazy to think about. And, you know, I, can they do it? Can they eventually get back there? Yeah, I think so. But uh, this team really needs to to change a few things. I mean, you look at all season long, how they won. They they came they came through. Evan McPherson was huge all season long. Huge. I mean, a couple of those kicks, a couple of those drives go the other way. They're not in the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. And the AFC is not going to be easy for them either. Because, I mean, you got Kansas City, you got Buffalo, the Chargers are on the way up. There's a lot of good teams in that conference. No, no. The, the path isn't easy. I mean, it's a good – it's a step in the right direction for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, this was a team that was bottom of the bottom. And they got to the Super Bowl quick. I just don't envision another team doing something what we just saw in Cincinnati anytime soon. Absolutely. Let's sort of wrap up the Super Bowl here. Talk a little NFL offseason as we always do here. And we'll go with the local thing here. I'm going to sort of ask you to do the pick your fire approach here. In five years, we're having this conversation. Which of the New York teams is a better position, the Jets or the Giants? I'm going to say the New York Jets at the moment because I think they have their quarterback in Zach Wilson. I think. Um I think we'll have a better understanding or a better idea of what the Giants are after this year. Okay. Because, you know, if it ends up working out with Daniel Jones, then I guess you have your guy, but a lot of me says that he's not your guy and he's not going to be the franchise guy, which you're kind of, once you're in that quarterback abyss and you're not sure if you have a guy, usually, you know, and I, I don't care what anyone says, you need a quarterback to win in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Giants situation obviously is different than the Jets because I feel like the Giants finally realized they actually have to rebuild as opposed to trying to do this weird, we're going to hybrid build and win the, where the Jets are a little further along and they think they have the quarterback. They, they hope they have the quarterback. I'm not sure yet. I think I'd say two years is probably the good off ramp because I think the Giants should be out of their cap hell and they should have an idea of doing a quarterback. The Jets will be three years into Wilson. At that point, you'll probably have a good sense of who's actually going the right way. You should. If, if I'm the Jets now, it's about building enough around him to see what we have. Yeah, I think the Jet offseason, I think the key for the Jets is simply like, you know what, you have all these picks, you have all the draft, all the all the uh, cap room in free agency. There are guys in free agency who could help you, especially the safety, but I know they have needs. 
to me, this cannot be another year for the Jets where your season's over in October. This has to be a year where you're not going to be the Bengals. You're going to go from, you know, four wins to the Super Bowl next year. It's like, you need to at least be, you know, the, you're a big graphic guy, like a production guy. Like, you need to be on that in the hunt graphic in December. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, like, you should be in that seven, eight win range. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the progression that you hope to make. Um, but I think they, they got to add. I mean, I think Zach Wilson needs more around him. I think you got you got something really nice in Michael Carter that came out of nowhere, so that certainly helps. But um, I think he still needs a playmaker, a wide receiver. On the defensive side, I think you need some big bodies up front to get get after opposing quarterbacks because you weren't able to get much pressure if, all, if at uh, any last season. Um, and again, I mean, you build that offensive line that that's just as, just as important as your, as having a quarterback. Yeah. I'll throw two other ones out there. I know for sure they have needs. Number one is obviously both safety spots because Marcus May is a free agent coming off a tour Achilles. He's probably not coming back. You're going to need to get two starters back there. And they have not had a tight end in forever. They need to get somebody who can actually be a competent body compared to what they've been throwing out the last few years. Yeah, I mean that that would certainly help in a few in, in a few places. Uh, obviously, uh, blocking if you could get someone who could do a little bit of both and uh, someone who could catch uh, play a role in the pass game would well, would definitely be be helpful for Zach Wilson. That's a win win if you could find that person. Yeah, as far as the Giants side goes, I think honestly it's just take your medicine with the cap now. Your team is not that good. It's probably like a thirty one or thirty two out of thirty two of talent level in the NFL right now. I think just. Blow the thing up, get the cap in order, and then just start the build up. Because I think just, I, would, I think Joe Shane knows this too. The longer you prolong the pain, the worse it's going to get. So, I mean, it might, might, might mean saying goodbye to James Bradbury, still a good player in the league. It might say, mean saying goodbye to Blake Martinez, but they're not helping you by the time you're good, ready to win again. No, no, no. And I, and I think like, you know, other players like Saquon Barkley figure it out. What are you, what are you doing? Is yeah. it time to move on, move on, um, and, and start, start fresh? You have an opportunity to start fresh. Um, it should be no surprise that you're you're in a in a rebuild. The fan base shouldn't be have higher expectations or have much many expectations at all. Um, and, and truthfully, I start up front. I start up front. Yeah. Get Daniel Jones the protection that he needs. Okay, and, and see where you go from there. And if if you have those guys in place, and Daniel Jones is a disaster, well, then the next year you know you're you're looking for your quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, obviously, two other big picture stories I get to before we do the rapid fire round like we always do here is Tom Brady retiring. Because, obviously, he did it, I think, prior to the Super Bowl. Sort of got swept up for me and all the news about the about the lockout, about the Flores lawsuit and all that. So, I can't like I still can't believe he actually is gone for good. I probably still thinks he's just holding out the door open to come back. But, like, if he does go, it's incredible to go out on the top of his game at 44. That's That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, listen, like the guy has nothing more to prove. He's yeah. he's won a, he's won he's won a lot. Um, if this is it for Tom, you know, enjoy retirement, buddy. Like that that's all I really could say. And if not, um, you know, I could see him winning another one. I, I I didn't I didn't expect him to um to step away this season. Um, and that maybe that means he could potentially come back. Who knows? We've heard the rumblings already. I mean, he hasn't even been retired a month. People are talking about him coming back. Um, a lot of former players say, you know, when it's time. Uh, I know Tom Brady mentioned that he's got kids. They're getting older. He wants to be around. So I know may, maybe it is time for Tom Brady. But, you know, for him, he's got nothing. He has. He doesn't need to prove it to anyone. He could lose every single game next season if he came back, and it wouldn't impact his legacy one bit. Yeah, I think a thing for Tom also. I think Tom, I think, wants to take some pride also on not 
having to be dragged off the football field because he looks like he doesn't have it anymore. I think sort of the idea of like going out like on the high note, dropping the mic before you're booed off the stage. Yeah, of course. I mean, and obviously everyone's dream would probably be, you know, if it was Tom Brady, you know, walk off as a Super Bowl winner one more time holding the Lombardi trophy. But I mean, the fact that it's on his on his terms and and he's commanding and he's saying, you know what, I think it's it's my time. You know, I give him a lot of respect for that. Yeah, and I think obviously the other big domino is still to come here is the Aaron Rodgers, which he wins the MVP again. You're very familiar with the situation, and I feel like there's been movement from the last time we talked about this. I feel like now the door's open. I think he might be more willing to come back, but I think he's looking around out there. It seems going on. It's like there's not many better spots for me than what I have right now. I mean, here's the thing, Mike. If if I knew what was next for Aaron Rodgers, uh, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in right yeah. now, right? It'd probably be some uh, serious NFL insider, to, to yeah. say the least, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at you look around the league. He's got to get traded first, right? If I'm Green Bay, you're not trading him in the NFC. You're not going to want to see him, yeah, or have to go through him to get to the Super Bowl. And if you're Aaron Rodgers and you look at the AFC, man, you're going to have to fight to get there. There's no easy path in the AFC. Um, it seems based on the reports, and I mean, take it with a grain of salt, their reports, but you know what you're getting from Ian Rappaport and the likes, that things seem to be heading in the right direction in terms of him returning to Green Bay. Now it's a matter of Green Bay figuring it out cap-wise to you know, bring him back. And with him back comes Devontae Adams and see what else you can do because um, it's going to be tough, but they're going to have to move a lot around to make it happen. I mean, to me, the cap is not the biggest issue. I mean, we've seen the Saints do this for years where they're like 80 million over the cap and all of a sudden they have all this money and they still sign big guys. So I think they'll, they kick the can as far down the road as they want to if, if Rodgers is willing to stay. And I think Rodgers, again, looks at it like if he's not going to the NFC and the NFC now is leaker and Tom Brady's retired and he's out of the mix and you look at the scenario here. Yes, you have the Rams, and now there's rumblings that a bunch of the key guys in the Rams are going to retire. Dallas, who knows if you're going to get anything good out of in the playoffs. Like, is there a better spot? For, is it better if you be in Green Bay where you basically run your division and get the home seal again or go to Denver and have to fight through Mahomes and Herbert in the division or go to Pittsburgh and fight through the Bengals and the Ravens and the Browns? Like, I would rather stay where I am. Yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, makes sense to us. But, you know, ultimately it's going to be Aaron Rodgers who dictates what that is. The only thing I'll say is uh, hopefully that decision is made sooner rather than later. You rip the Band-Aid off and you start to figure out what you have to do next. Yeah, I think Rodgers knows, too, after all of the kerfuffle this year, I think he's not going to want to drag. I just want to be situated as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, not only for himself, if he's going to continue to play or if not, but also uh, also for the Packers, like they need to figure it out. Uh, the one thing I will say is if Rodgers is out, you know, Devontae Adams is going to be out too. I think that's been made pretty clear. And you use the, you lose those two and you got to go to the drawing board real quick. Yeah, I think they saw the what they saw at Jordan Love this year in that Chief game and in practice. I don't, I don't think they realize like, oh, we are screwed if he if he leaves us. I mean, listen, I, I, are we going to judge Jordan Love just based off of that? Uh, we shouldn't. With that being said, I mean, he gave you a glimpse of what could be. You hope that that's not all he has, and that's just me trying to be somewhat optimistic. But I don't know. I mean, you go back to it, and I hate to bring it, bring it all back to that draft, but you may be in a different position right now as a team if you didn't trade up and get a quarterback. Yeah, I think – they thought that like Rodgers closer to the end than he was when they made that trade. And you look at the situation here. I mean, 
I get it's hard to judge him off of one game, but again, they see him every day in practice. They know what he looks like. I wonder if it's possible this is a little bit like a Tebow with the Jets situation when they got excited again, and once they get in, like, oh boy, we made, we made a mistake. And I mean, uh, if that's the assumption that the organization made, then I mean, that, that shame on them because there were no signs of, of a decline whatsoever. So um, I, I really dislike that narrative that they thought the time was coming. But again, there's so much that happens behind the scenes that nobody really knows that we don't know. So I don't know, man, but whatever it is, hopefully they figure it out soon. Absolutely. And let's do a little rap fire. We always do. I, I like to play that pick music one last time. So let's go ahead and do some other hot button things about the off season here. So we're going to buy us up here. Go rapid fire on all of these things. We're going to figure this out here. Some big issues. Deshaun Watson, is he playing? If he is where? He is not going anywhere. Um, I don't think he plays either. I mean, here's the big thing with Deshaun Watson, right? Would you, if you're a team that needs a quarterback that could potentially win now, would you sacrifice a lot to bring in Deshaun Watson right now? Not to the legal stuff is cleared. Exactly. When is that going to be? When is that going to happen? I mean, a whole year went by and nothing happened. I don't think you could actually feel comfortable risking that without knowing what's happening next. I mean, truthfully, where do I think he ends up? The NFL commissioner's exemplus. That's where I think he's ending up. He's going to end up. I think the stuff gets cleared this offseason. I think he is going to get traded. I'm going to throw a dark horse out here because this is a team that kind of needs the jolt. The Browns. Wow. Wow. That would be a huge, a huge shakeup. Because I think it's a point where you realize, he realized, like, I got to get out of there. And now the floor is not Miami anymore. I think the path here is probably going to be so somewhere with a good sporting cast. And Cleveland's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you want to hit your wagon, your wagon uh, to the Browns. Uh, with that being said, uh, I think everything needs to clear out. My main concern, though, is we went one year and we haven't gotten anything. So all of a sudden, things are going to get figured out. I don't know. Next up for the quarterback carousel is Russell Wilson leaving Seattle. No, I think Russell Wilson stays in Seattle. I really do. I think he's going to. I think he embraces what's, uh, you know, what's going on and he's focused on uh, doing what he needs to do to, to be a part of that team. I think you'll see Seattle try to make some moves this offseason to make the, to improve this team. Uh, similar to, to, to Russell Wilson, I mean, yeah, where, where is he going to go with that makes his situation uh, uh, that much better? Maybe maybe a Denver team, maybe, maybe, but, you know, then your path to the Super Bowl is, is so much harder. I think he stays, stays put. I agree with you. I think the Sean Payton coming off the board in New Orleans does take a lot of destination off the board for these quarterbacks, too. Yeah, oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think everyone is floating around the same few teams in terms of where quarterbacks are going to go. Maybe Green Bay, maybe Pittsburgh, maybe uh, the Panthers, Denver. I mean, we're hearing the same exact teams over and over again. And, and I don't know how likely it is that many, if any, move. All right. Who is next year's Bengals? Who's going worse to first? Not to get the Super Bowl, at least just first place. Are you are you saying Super Bowl? Because first place. Frankly, first place? Oh, man. Who is going first place? Oh, God. Mike, that is the toughest question on the board right now. Yeah. Um, wow. You have stumped the Schwab right now. Uh, I need to pull up the standings and, and take a quick a quick glance at it. Uh, not the Jets. <laughs> yeah. Not the Broncos. Uh, what do we got here? Um, the Ravens? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, but they weren't 8-9. So, like, how terrible were they? Jacksonville, 
I mean, they got to do a lot of work in Jacksonville yeah. to get him. I think, uh, I think the answer is Seattle if Russell stays. Yeah, I mean, I think, and to me, that's not even a, a you know a worst to first really that big of a situation considering they won seven games last year. I'm, I was trying to look for a team that really like was terrible um, last season, and out of all those terrible thing, terrible teams, I think the Jags could make a uh, make a potential jump, not not a playoffs jump, but I think they have some some nice pieces that if they played their cards right in the draft they could they could be sent for it. all right let's go the other way what team fades the most next season all right so in the nfc i think you got to go with the bucks no tom brady that team is all automatically to me off the board um i think arizona something's not right in arizona the way the season ended the whole Kyler Murray now unfollowing everything on social media. Take that with a grain of salt, but that's just weird to me. Um, on the AFC side, I think the Steelers, um, they were already on the decline. I think they take a, a further step back. And I'd also throw the Raiders in the mix there. I think they uh, I think they did Rich Bisaccia, the Packers' new special teams coach, pretty dirty by not giving him a, a full-time position there, and I think it's going to end up hurting them. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on the Steelers there. I was gonna say I don't think New England is as good as they were this year. I feel like they're gonna fade too. Yeah, I mean with New England, they play some some classic weird football that they don't do anything too pretty. So like, I could see them in that ten win category again, but not being that big of a threat. All right, who replaces Ben in Pittsburgh? I think I think Pittsburgh needs to roll with Mason Rudolph. I don't think it's the best idea. Um, but I think you got to at least see, all right, what do we have? I mean, he's he's played a handful of games, and he wasn't terrible. He wasn't great. I think you see what he does when you fully know that he's going to have complete control. Give him the key to the, the car, and if it doesn't work out, you stink, you get your guy next year. I'm going to say that that's where Jimmy G ends up. Okay. I actually think Jimmy G is on the move this offseason. I don't think it's Tampa, though. I, excuse me, I don't think it's Pittsburgh. So you think it's Tampa? I do think it's Tampa. I think uh, Jimmy G, once again, it's his time right after Tom Brady to take over. That would be a fun story if Jimmy G goes there and does well with the with the uh, Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, again, um, I, I think I think if any quarterback is definitely moving, I think it's Jimmy G. Yeah, I'm gonna go off the board. I feel like I'm gonna try for a big sway. I don't know how successful they'll be. I'll give a guy who's floating around feels like a good second chance guy, Marcus Mariota. You really have that much faith in Mariota? I mean, he's been bouncing around with good systems, like as a team, as a good quality backup guy. I feel like they're gonna say, you know, we'll give him a, a, a one-year trial run. I mean, listen, uh, there's nothing wrong with being that quality backup. You'll have yeah. a real long shell life, uh, life in uh, in the NFL. Absolutely. Who spends the most money in free agency? Who's the big, who's the winner of March? I think you're going to see the Broncos spend a ton. Um, I think you're going to see the Bengals who just were in the Super Bowl. They have a lot of, a lot of space in the NFC. I think the Seahawks, the Seahawks are going to probably try to convince Russell Wilson that they're going to do everything possible to make that team better. So they're going to spend, I mean, the Broncos have a ton of weapons. They get that quarterback situation figured out. They, they could be, they could be lethal. And I know we, we talked about how, competitive and how tough the AFC is, but geez, like the Broncos could easily get themselves in a, in a really good position next year. And if I'm the Bengals, I mean, look at who you just lost to. If you, you spend the money the right way, you know, you have Burroughs Young, you have Jamar Chase and other young weapons around them. 
you can you can get there a lot sooner than you think. Back there a lot sooner than you think. I agree with those. I'll put the Jets up there too. They have a lot of money and a lot of needs they can fill on the market. I think they're going to be targeted, but I think they're going to spend a lot of money. Uh, I can see it happening, and they should. Yeah. Number one pick in the draft. Who is it? All right. This is not going to be uh, uh, the sexiest pick, but I'm going Evan Neal. All right. I'm going the offensive lineman. Um, and the reason why is you do everything that you can to start to build that offensive line for Trevor Lawrence. Protect, protect your baby right now. I'm going to go Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher from Michigan. I think this is the other option here. It's like, you can protect the quarterback, or get after the quarterback. They're going to try and go after the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's tough for me. I'll always say this. You'll never win without a quarterback. In this modern-day football, you won't win without a quarterback. Do what you can to protect them. All right, and last one. This is a little off-topic. Opening day for baseball is when? When is it? When was it supposed to be? It's supposed to be March 31st. Oh, I'm saying May 1st. You're saying May 1st. May 1st. I am going April 15th. Okay, so you're meeting in the middle then. Yeah. Kind of in the middle there. Yeah, and just for the fact that I'm going to talk about this more on the podcast next week here. Right? Like, Based on the timeline that's out there right now, they basically have to have an agreement in about eight days to start spring training at a point where they can not miss games of the season. And, there's, and uh, the way the owners negotiate, they're not going to get there. I'll put it to you this way. If baseball had a brain, they would do anything possible to make sure that they figure this out this week and take over the news with it. Yeah. Right. Football's dead. I mean, how many more times are you going to talk about the Super Bowl from here on out? Yeah. Right. Here's your opportunity. Swoop in and make everyone talk about baseball. This is what why baseball has continued and will continue the struggle. They never control the conversation. No, because this is the point now. I think they have like a two-day halo for the Super Bowl. And then after that, we're sitting there going, why, is, why aren't the pitchers and catchers at camp? They, they have an awesome opportunity here, and they're going to sit on it, and everyone's going to continue to dislike baseball. It's pretty simple. Oh, 100%. And I definitely want to thank you, Joe, for coming on. We're talking more about the lockout next week. I mean, hopefully we have an answer here because I know we're both baseball fans, but I'm not optimistic. I mean, I'm not either. And at this rate, it's like, how can you even try to get excited for baseball? And uh, I know we're both Mets fans, so we should be a little bit more amped up than usual for the upcoming year. But how could we when, you know, we don't even know when potentially game number one will be. They will play baseball this year. Who the hell knows when? Yeah, who knows when? And Joe, thanks for all the time. People want to find you on social media. How can they do that? Yeah, Mike, uh, of course, always a pleasure. You can follow me on social media at on Twitter at Joe double underscore. Don't forget the double. Do not. You won't find him. You won't find me. Uh, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. Once Aaron Rodgers kinds of figures out what he does, you could uh, check out the Sharp Cheddar podcast available on all podcast platforms. We will take a little bit of a uh, an off-season hiatus, but right around draft time, we'll, we'll get back going in a, a more of a frequent basis. So basically right now, you're you're taking a break until Rodgers throws the bat signal off, and then you're going to chime in. You know what? Uh, I can't just open the mic and just constantly assume and, and try to figure things out. So I've decided I've dealt with enough of a heartbreak and heartache with the way that the season ended. Let's step away from it for a little bit until maybe Rogers breaks my heart one more time and, and steps away from the Packers. So I'd rather wait. Yeah, for sure. And one last thing before you go here, the general consensus seems to be about the, the halftime show it was the greatest thing ever, and the commercials sucked. Do you agree with both those sentiments? Okay, I'm never. I'm not going to say greatest thing, greatest halftime ever. Okay, I can't stand that people can't just say the halftime show was good. 
why does everything have to be the greatest or the worst nowadays? It's yeah. like there, there is no in between and in between is totally fine. I thought the halftime performance was great. Um, it brought me back to my childhood and listening to Eminem. Um, and, and I loved all of that, even though there was only one Eminem song. Um, and the commercials, they were blah. I think they were blah. Uh, too much of a focus on cryptocurrency. I, I don't know. Uh, I miss the classic, you know, the Pepsi, the Doritos. Let's have some fun. Uh, M&Ms. Uh, I don't know. I just didn't get that this year. Got yeah. way too corporate for me. Yeah. And I got to say also, the NFL is, a, is the king of basically being 20 years late on a halftime show trend. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, I, I hope I hope this uh, this trend continues, though. Absolutely, Joe. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Mike, always a pleasure. I call it the wheel. Eh, I don't think so. This is a miss. Russell Davis, behold! It's a fork. I got dead forks right here, baby! <laughs> a toilet? We're not animals. We go outside like humans. Hancock. No king. The people shall have the right to vote. Even the stupid ones? Yeah. Ah. Edison, can I be honest with you? It stinks. Nobody's gone to the moon ever. Why not? It's far. It's too far. It's far. Totally music. Like I was saying, it's FTX. It's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. Yeah, I don't think so. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. All right, we are back. We're continuing our Super Bowl recap podcast. We already did the game with Joe Dalwezio. Now we're going into the pop culture portion here with the halftime show and the commercials. Join me today, our pop culture correspondent, Sandra Rose is here. Sam, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited. It's an annual tradition. This is year number four we've done this. This is great. I do like me some good traditions. Yeah, some good traditions indeed. And we got to start off with the game. Because obviously I, I shared my thoughts on the game with Joe earlier. So what do you think about the Super Bowl itself? Not excited about how, you know, the game turned out. But I guess good for the Rams. I was rooting for the Bengals. I know um, my prediction was wrong for the score and who won. But what are you going to do? Uh, but you know what? It was a... For me, I was pretty interested during the game. It kept me occupied. It wasn't like the worst game ever played. I mean, the last year, this the, the Super Bowl busy over the first half because the Chiefs couldn't stop the Buccaneers' pass rush. So this year, we got big progress. Yeah, and it was like you know, I thought the teams are more evenly matched up this season. Yeah, let's go ahead now. I want to talk about the halftime show first because usually. That does shows we've gotten pretty much duds for the most part. I mean, usually it's like we're ha- high on the commercials and low on the halftime show. I feel like this year's reverse. I feel like we're high on the halftime show, low on the commercials. 100% agreed. I I enjoyed myself so much, and it was the quickest, what was it, 13 minutes? It was or the runtime? Yeah, about 13 minutes of halftime. Yeah, it was the, the shortest for me halftime show ever. Yeah, and I want to touch on the halftime show first. I'm going to share my screen here. I have a great article from The Athletic up here from Rhiannon Walker, who does a did a power ranking here of the Super Bowl halftime uh, show since the Michael Jackson went 93, really kicked off the whole trend here. And she has this one. You can keep scrolling down the list. It's a great article. If you're an athletic subscriber, I highly recommend it here. She has this one down at number four. So basically on the Mount Rushmore of all time with Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, and 50 Cent. And a lot of people on the line were saying the greatest halftime show ever. I don't think it was the greatest ever, but I thought it was still ridiculously good. 
Yeah, I mean, on this article too, um, I'm so glad you uh, suggested this to me before I got on. Um, the JLo one seemed kind of low in Shakira. Like, I'm not saying it was, again, top three, but I would have ranked it a little bit higher. But I'm glad she put the Justin Timberlake and uh, the Janet Jackson one dead last. Yeah. And then coincidentally, add then after that, Justin Timberlake. So <laughs> I agreed with a lot of her decisions on the rankings. Yeah, and I mean, I said this before with Joe, we briefly discussed the halftime shows, that the NFL was always about 20 years behind the trends. This is, if this is 1999, it's the perfect halftime show, but everybody who <laughs> went in there still brought it, and they still were very well. I love the stage design. I did, they didn't have the issues the weekend did last year with the COVID, so they were more free mm-hmm. to do what they wanted, and everybody brought it. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't disappointed. I just wanted them to go longer. That's literally my only... Um, what is the word? I can't think of words to that. My only issue, yeah, my only complaint is that it wasn't long enough because I wanted I wanted more Snoop. I wanted more uh, Mary. I wanted more Eminem. You know what? Like, I don't, I, I love Kendrick Lamar. I just wanted to see more of everybody else. I understand why he was there and everything. But uh, ha- I loved the, uh, <laughs> just loved the 50 cent memes that came yeah. out of the super bowl yeah i think they'll not talk about enough here i think the stage was really good you had the la neighborhood they got the map la everybody has their own little storefront and they're all doing their yeah. own thing i thought that was a lot of fun and i think like you said i wish it was longer because you all these great artists and you only got really basically parts of one song out of everybody it's like not like you got like even like eminem like he didn't even get his really top hit you really got the one that's fit the program yeah, I mean, I guess like, you know, if we're thinking, if we're going to be critical about it, it is the Dr. Dre, ha- you know, I know it's a Pepsi halftime show, but it's Dr. Dre. He was the main focal point. So I guess that's why everybody had like less of a, you know, part in it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there are some rumors flowing around on the internet. I want to get your comment on the internet. Obviously, we have one, I believe I'm going to pull up my nose here just to clarify in terms of this. We had the rumor about the NFL was told Dr. Dre and rehearsals not to say that he doesn't love the police, which he did mention in the in the performance. We had rumors they asked Eminem not to kneel. He kneeled during the performance as sort of a tribute to Colin Kaepernick. And what do you think about those rumors? Because the league basically anybody who works at least basically denied them and said we never told them what they can't do. So what do you think about this? Yeah, I heard that like a couple days before, or maybe the day before, all about you know there was there was some censorship on their performance but um you know you can't tell dr dre and eminem what to do i know kendrick lamar held out his line about the police and his uh verse so like there was set like i'm not censorship is a very strong word but you know i they're gonna do what they want you know exactly who you're signing up for so that's probably why the nfl is probably like let's not dig this grave bigger than we've already dug it yeah i mean to me I can see where they may have said, hey, please don't do this. I don't think they told them specifically not to do it. They may have asked them, you know, say, hey, like, we're trying to be as, like, the old Michael Jordan adage, Republicans buy sneakers too, sort of, like, the whole thing. is like, we're yes. going to try and appeal to as many people as we can. I feel, I think they may have said, hey, please, they're not doing this. And I don't think they told them explicitly not to do it. Yeah, I agree too. Or it's like, it's in your best interest. I'm sure they use some specific jargon. Yeah. Because you're not telling Dr. Dre no. If he wants to do something, he's going to do it. Exactly, and he has enough money to back that up, too. Yeah, and I think in terms of where this falls in the Pantheon, I do think Twitter is very hyperbolic, where they say, oh, greatest ever. I don't agree. I still think the best ever was Prince in Miami doing Purple Rain in the Rain. That can never be top for me. But I think this one, I think it's got to be at least top 10, if not top 5. Yeah, exactly. And, like, let's – 
I'm going to be honest, like, you know, we, we could go in the past at that time, like JLo and Shakira to me, that was like the best ever, but then it has time to sink in. And then you realize what you watched. You're just excited about it. And I don't know. Like I honestly, for me, it was one of, it was definitely in my top like three performances, but that's because I'm biased and I like their performers. So, you know, I feel like it's hard to make a list of all the running ones without being biased. Yeah, I think the I still think for me it's it's Prince is up there, Bruno Mars at uh, MetLife is up there because he did a really good job and probably one of the few cold weather sites we're ever gonna see in a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's a good mix of them in there. I feel like they, these guys though did a very good job. Yeah, and I really do going back to the article. I forgot some of them that we've seen, like you know, some of the old '90s people yeah. making their appearances. I was like, oh my god, I forgot that you know, NSYNC was on there and stuff. Yeah, and now we go ahead to the fun part here. Where do they go next year to try and top this? Because I think there are a couple of directions I think they can go, but where do you think they could go for halftime next year? Well, rumor has it, Mike, that Taylor Swift's contract with Pepsi is up in like the January of like 2023. So, or she has a, sorry, she has a contract with Coca-Cola so she can go do the Pepsi halftime show. Now this is all rumor mill kind of deal so my guess is going to be t-swift i feel like we're overdue for taylor swift doing this this halftime show because like she's probably like the biggest artist out there right now has not done it yeah well it's because she had that contract she has this contract with coca-cola so they won't allow her to do the halftime show yeah next year it's in arizona i think the last time we were down there is when we had Katy perry and left shark and all the craziness oh. so. <laughs> i forgot all about that and the giant tiger yep. that came out too oh my god that was a fever dream. Yeah, I think they think we're going to get the Taylor Swift thing because I think there were enough old folkies whining about how this show was like too like hip hop for them. I think we're going to get like a more of a classic pop singer next year. I think Taylor Swift would be the pick. Yeah. Also disappointed because I like how people over 50, they're like, this is horrible. I hate it. People under like 30, like I, you know, I don't know who these people are. And it's like people right in the middle. But, like, I feel like there's younger people out there that love Eminem and Snoop and Dre. Like, their music's all over TikTok now. So, I don't know. I just, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a very good choice of all the people. Oh, 100%. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head because Taylor Swift is obviously, I think, the leader in the clubhouse. But I'm trying to think of who else would fit the bill. Uh, Who else would play with her, too? Yeah, because usually you're bringing a guest star on when you do this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to look up here. I'm looking, I found an article from 2015 on Billboard predicting future Super Bowl halftime shows. I want to see like who they had in there because in terms of who has not got here. Taylor Swift, obviously, they haven't gotten. We got Maroon 5. That was not great. Ugh, yes, that was horrible. Yeah, we got Timberlake. That was not great. Ariana, horrible. Ariana Grande, who goes to the younger generation, maybe? Yeah. She has to be more relevant, I feel like, this year. Yeah. Yeah, I was also throwing- or Rihanna, because Rih- Rihanna is coming out, supposedly coming out with, I know she's pregnant and going to have a baby and going to be a mom and everything, but maybe Rihanna will be there too. Rihanna is one that was also on this list. I'll throw out here two other ones here. Uh, I know he's politi- a little bit politically charged. Kanye is somebody you could, I could definitely see doing Super Bowl in the future. Yeah, I bet you he would pay them to do the halftime show at this yeah. point. Yeah. Let's be real. He's crazy. You saw the thing today, yeah. what he yeah. did, or yesterday he yeah. did with uh, Kim. Yep. Crazy. That man's psychotic. Yeah. And Miley Cyrus, I feel like, is also, like, somebody that's down the list also you could definitely consider. Yeah, and she's been, like, you know, you know when she had her peak of crazy? Yeah. She's now come down off of that, so she's probably due for it, too. Yeah, so I would think, like, 
And people is crazy. I look at her here that in 20, right now, she's like, next year, next year she'll be 30 years old. That's it. I know. It's crazy. We are almost the same age. Yeah. So the Miley Cyrus halftime show could be something we see in the future. Yeah. Imagine My- Miley and Taylor together. That'd be like all, you know, all, all girls my age are going to be like nuts. Yeah. I feel like that, like the, I feel like Taylor Swift, though, I think is too big to have Miley be her co star. I guess that's true. Unless Miley's like going to take a step back or like jump out of nowhere and do like the surprise appearance. Yeah, I, I think the surprise appearance has to be somebody big. But let's go to the commercials now because this was by far of the four years we've done this, this is the worst group of commercials I've seen in a long time. Oh, my God. So horrible. Yeah. And I think if giving a straight grade in the commercials, I think for me, it's, it's a solid D. Oh, my God. That's my grade, too. Yeah. D. And that's like, you know, giving it a little gas there, like being nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because for the most part, I mean, usually after every single was like, a couple of iconic ads that either get you talking, saying what the hell were they thinking, or a lot of like, wow, these were phenomenal. These are so funny. Mm-hmm. This, like, I had a hard time when I was making my list of like, what are my favorite ads? Like, I can barely remember it. And that's not good. No, exactly. I was, I like I was saying to you uh, earlier, I had to go back and like look at the list of them that played. Yes, I remember them when I read them, but it's not like I could just clearly pop them out of my brain. I'm <laughs> just thinking about it. Yeah, let's go also, before we go into specific commercials here, I want to talk about the trailers, because obviously, Super Bowl's a big trailer thing, and we got a bunch of them. Not a lot of them really stuck with me, so in terms of the trailers we got, what got you the most interested? I'm sure you can guess. It's Doctor Strange and the multiverse or whatever. It's I have been excited for this since basically WandaVision in its own way. Um, I am just so excited. There's so much speculation, so many theories. I don't know if you're caught up on a lot of the theories just on that trailer alone, but oh my God, that was me today unpacking all the theories. I'm just so excited. Yeah, that one was really good. I will say like, I'm not a big Jurassic Park guy, but Jurassic World trailer was pretty good. I love Jurassic Park. I don't know something about dinosaurs, love me some dinosaurs, but I saw that, you know, a couple of days before, before they before the game and I was excited then. So it kind of like, you know, lessened the blow. Yeah. And Moon Knight was my personal favorite. Cause like, obviously I'm excited for that show. And they got, we got another sneak peek at it. I was excited to get a look at that. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know. I'm a little worried about it, but I'm still, I'm, I'm excited, but it's like a nervous excited, I think. Cause for me, it's like, they're doing something different. There's a little more like horror feels with that one. I think that's yes. I'm intrigued to see how they do that. Yeah, me too. And it's a it's a character that's more dark than yeah. what we're used to seeing. So I think we're gonna open the Marvel dark realm soon. Yeah. Plus, Oscar Isaac is a phenomenal actor. So I'm excited. Oh my to see god, what he I does. love him. Yeah. Who doesn't love I- Oscar Isaac? Yeah, he's he's great. And I think in terms of the uh, the big headline one though, that Lord of the Rings look ahead the live action show. I mean, considering yes. they, it's the most ex- considering it's the most expensive thing ever, TV's ever made. I'm not shocked they got in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm so excited for that like i've been a i totally forgot about that too i feel like such a bad lord of the rings fan um i've been a lord of the rings fan since i was like eight years old i remember turning it on and my mom's like you're gonna be too scared for the fellowship of the ring i was too scared but i kept watching and i'm just so excited that they're doing a television show yeah i think that one i i feel they're gonna the money they sunk into that it better be good because if it's a disaster that's gonna be so bad 
and the Lord of the Rings fans too are like pretty critical. Yeah. Like they're like they they expect top tier material. Yeah, I mean, if you want to see a pissed off fan base, just ask the Star Wars fans after the Book of Boba Fett how that's going. I didn't hate it though. It has. I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. I wasn't so up in arms. It was very uneven. Yeah, it was, but I enjoyed it. I just, but for me, Star Wars is like I take it as it is. I think I feel like that's you know, like your your uh, Sky Guys. You know, yeah. they're like they're very like they're just so knowledgeable, and I'm just like I feel like I'm Grogu in the situation, like yeah. <laughs> you know, in the background. While like you guys are Mando, like yeah. actually doing work. <laughs> yeah, with this, with more swag this time after after uh, the end of Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Oh my god. I I'm just so excited now for the Mandalorian. I yeah. just felt that that was like a Mandalorian preseason. Yeah. I'm gonna spin forward here into another commercial segment here, but I will also point out the one thing that bugged me was like seeing the Expedia commercial with Ewan McGregor and not getting an Obi Wan thing annoyed me as a Star Wars thing. I'm like. Because I said, like, oh, it's him. Like, he's here. And then, like, nope, no commercials. Just him talking about stuff. Yeah, no. I was, I was like, so excited. And it was such a, such a letdown. Yeah. Let's stay positive here. So let's talk about your favorite commercials. So what are your, your, give me three that you really loved. Okay. First and foremost was the, the Bud Light, like, the bold flavors. When they go to Flavortown. With Guy Fieri. I, yes, I love him. I was him for Halloween. He was my all-time favorite. Um, that was my all-time favorite one. Um, for some reason, I really enjoyed the Planters commercial with uh, Joel McHale and Ken Jong, yeah. just because it was like a community reunion. Yeah. Um, and I really liked the um, uh, Planet Fitness commercial with Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan on the Peloton. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was great. Like she was just, oh, it's like, what is Lindsay Lohan up to? Uh, those are like my top three. Again, I had to go back and look it through. I mean, I did like the flavor travel one. That's probably the only one that stuck out in my head. Um, but yeah, those were probably my top three. I'm probably missing a few. I know that there's like a few that we've talked about that I will not steal your thunder for. <laughs> yeah. In terms of ones I thought were going to be better than they were also, the Michelob Ultra one where Peyton made the bowling alley. That mm-hmm. one I was I thought I was gonna have higher hopes for. They, yeah, they didn't really go anywhere okay. after they gave you all these athletes showing up and stars, and then they did just there and they're kind of chilling, not really getting anything fun out of them. Yeah, no, it was it wasn't my favorite, but what are you gonna do? Yeah, I'm gonna throw a couple out here too in terms of my favorite ones. I think the one for me, I want to play at the top here. The Larry David crypto commercial is by far the funniest thing because it's literally this said Larry David, you're being Larry David throughout history complaining about inventions. I thought it was so funny. And it's so funny when yeah. I saw that, I was like, I know Mike's going to thoroughly enjoy this too. Yeah. I hope, you know, I hope your ears were ringing. I was saying that to my, my friend Mackenzie and Ryan, my boyfriend, I was like, oh my God, Mike's going to love this commercial. Yeah. He loves Larry David. Yeah. Yeah. Larry David was phenomenal, especially the point in the commercial where he's talking, where he's talking about like, why we need a toilet? We go outside like all other humans. I was just like on the floor. I'm like, oh, they actually went there. Oh my God. I love the wheel one too. Yeah. Like how he starts off with the wheel. He's like, what do we need that for? Yeah. Like, it's just, he's just funny. Yeah. I I, th- I thought that was a good one too. Yeah. Number two for me is the Alexa commercial for Amazon with Colin Jost and Scarlett Johansson. They're, it's a minute long and basically you're going through the entire thing and Alexa's revealing all their deepest, darkest secrets. I was just laughing the whole way through. That was actually super cute. Yeah. Um, 
I I don't know. I really thought that was adorable. Yeah, I was laughing though because like they're getting more pissed off as each secret's getting revealed by Alexa. Yeah. Oh God, I thought that was really clever. Whoever did that did a really good job. Yeah, and number three on my list in terms of the ones I enjoy, and surprised you didn't go this one. The Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen, Lays ad, because that one was so funny, especially when you see them, like, flashing back to the 90s singing and, like, singing on the car. It was so funny. Yeah, no, I, um, I had that one on my list, but like I said, I just didn't want to steal any of yours for Thunder because it's a good one, and it's meant to be shared with the world. I mean, I did get a little weirded out by him marrying that, like, spirit ghost, to be honest, but like, like them singing the car was just so quality. Like I was just so happy. Yeah, it's like literally to me, it looks like if, if the haunting of Hill House became a comedy. That's what that what it looked like. Yeah, <laughs> that's a perfect explanation. Explanation of that. Oh my god, that's great. Because Seth Rogen's uh, ghost wife looks like the uh, creepy form of the painted of the uh, tilted neck lady. Yeah, bent neck. Oh god, that was creepy. Yeah, let's throw a couple other ones out here. About the, did you like the Kia Robo Dog one where you had the Robo Dog gets recharged by the car? I mean, I guess it's cute. Are we supposed to care about robots now? That's like my only thing. The Super Bowl just told us you need to care about robots and crypto. That's all I learned in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that one. Um, also, that weird one with the uh, the simple minds. Like, don't you forget? It's like the Chuck E. Cheese things. Yeah, the- I was like, what? That was like so strange. Oh, the 3D one with the with the uh, the for Meta Quest, yeah, the Oculus yeah. or whatever it is, yeah. yeah, or Meta, yeah, you're right. I was like, what? Why? Like that was the first one I think that was robot like. Yeah, I was thinking in terms of weird off throughout here too. The the one with Anna Kendrick, it's, it's like uh, selling the uh, Barbie house. I'm like, what the hell is going on in this commercial? Yeah, that was strange too. I like, I don't know if I missed that one. Like I was cleaning up or something and I went back and I had to watch that because I was like, what the hell is the Barbie dream house thing? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like actually for like Barbie. I'm like, well, Barbie paid for Super Bowl ad. And I'm like, no, wait. It's like, then you're getting your cash off for Carl and like, the, yeah. and like all the other like, like doll cackers are basically like trying to like destroy the dream house. That was funny. Yeah, no, that was, that was pretty cute. Um, I thought that Nissan with uh, Eugene Levy was kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of strange also, like, we mentioned the reunion of the uh, community reunion. What did you think about the Sopranos reunion on the on the electric car commercial? I forget which brand it was, but you had a... Uh, it was Toyota, right? It was, From the pickup it, 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 truck it was Toyota, or yes. something? Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, this has very heavy Soprano vibes. And then I was like, you saw who it was. I was like, oh. And I wonder if they're going to be doing a Soprano, uh, like, a second telling of the story with his daughter. The daughter's name was what, Meadow? Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious if that's what they're they're testing the waters. I don't know if Toyota is, but. <laughs> well, I mean, from what I can gather, the Soprano prequel we did not go over as well as I thought it would. So I don't know if they have second thoughts on that. Yeah, maybe they're like, well, let's see how this commercial goes. And it was so funny, too, because I didn't see that commercial live. I missed that one. Um, I was yesterday at work. I was like, oh, let's just like go over all the commercials. And I drove... Um, Mackenzie to JFK that day and I'm like oh I was just on this road like a couple hours ago (laughs) yeah and I'm gonna go ahead here I'm gonna go to the worst commercials here I'm gonna get this one on the screen just because we can and it's Mm -hmm. so absurd it's the fact that we are watching here I'm gonna get the share screen up here in one second share the screen for the YouTube audience so if you want to check that out you can check out the YouTube version of this Mike Phelps on YouTube here we go 
we get a QR code bouncing around the screen for about 60 seconds in this Super Bowl. Like, yeah. what? Yep. I mean, like, I get it. Like, that's, like, the the running joke, I guess. Um, for, like, I know in scoreboard things for across the yeah. sports yeah. worlds and venues, they've been doing that with different logos and everything. Um, but how creepy was it at the end when it went to like a like a V like a camcorder like you know like when you used to watch things back on a camcorder? Yeah, I was like, ugh. I mean, of course, I literally pulled out my phone right away. I fell right into that trap. I'm like, oh, crypto clipped out of that. Yeah, so that one was I think the number one worst for me. For me, I think number two. I don't remember. Do you remember the Carvana oversharing mom? Yes. Oh my god. I could. I like literally wanted to turn it off it was so annoying it's like it was funny for about five seconds they got annoying because it kept going and going and going and going there was no originality of that bit no not at all i mean i get it you made your point she's being annoying like that's the the point but like it was just overkill yeah i think if you got a better actress in there you could have sold but this lady was not very funny at all no i mean i kind of feel bad for her like you know what i mean like it's like wow we're just like crapping on some random ass commercial lady yeah and I want to say also, I'll throw, I'll throw in here too, the Dolly Parton T-Mobile ads didn't really go anywhere either. Yeah, no, I um, I wasn't a huge fan either, and I love Dolly Parton. So I was like, ugh, wasn't wasn't a huge, wasn't a huge fan either. Yeah, not not great. I also, I think the Uber Eats one, I know you mentioned earlier is one that I think somebody mentioned that somebody liked it. I did not. Yeah, no. That was, that was like, that was gross to me. Ugh, no. I mean, like, it had Jennifer Coolidge, and I love her. I was like, oh, awesome. She's like relevant again. She's in Super Bowl commercials. And then like they're eating things that they're not supposed to. And I'm like, ugh, it's gross. It's like an Oatly commercial from last year. I think it's more like Mint Mobile from two years ago at the Curdle Milk. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oatly was just the guy in the cornfield going, oh, wow, wow, wow. True, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> like this one, with, Mobile was disturbing. This is sort of on that level. Yeah. Oh my god. Why do we have to make food gross? Yeah, I don't know. It's something I don't understand. But any other bad commercials you want to talk like uh, uh shame. Yeah, I really hated the Pringles commercial. That made me very uneasy. So the other one with the guy who who's who's got his arm <laughs> stuck in the can for the rest of his life. And then when he dies, somebody else gets their arm stuck in a Pringles can. I was like, what the heck? This is like a actual horror story. Yeah, like, it, it's just so absurd the way it goes. And then, like, we see basically his whole life where he's getting married, he's having kids, he's having his 90th birthday, and then he dies. I'm like, like this is a little twisted. I also, I know it's been on television before the Super Bowl, but the stupid Salesforce thing with yeah. Matthew McConaughey, I yeah. hated that commercial. Not a McConaughey fan? I love him. I just hate the commercial. Yeah, I think that's up there. Like, that was not great. Yeah. But uh, those are like, you know, definitely the crypto was my number one. Um, and then the Uber Eats was up there too. But I like also was very disturbed by the Pringles commercial, like very disturbed. I was thinking about it like after I'm like, Ugh. yeah, not it's it was not great. And I also will say in terms of getting the Leos spot here, have and you have Zendaya. How did uh, Squarespace come up with a commercial just like made me forget exactly what it was for? Yeah, I don't know. That was that was a I don't know. I wasn't a fan. Oh, and then also the E Trade. I forgot all about the E Trade baby. Yeah, he came back. Yeah, but then here's my thing. Like I remember the E Trade baby things, but like I had to like 
be like, what the hell is this about? Like, yeah. who is this baby? And then they're like, oh, it's the E-Trade baby. I was like, oh, yeah, back in what, 2006 it was big? Yeah, this is one where they're going to try and go the nostalgia route. It did not work for me. No. Also, the um, the Awesome Powers nostalgia route didn't really work for me either. No, we're just saying, please be original. And if you have celebrities, actually make good use of them. Yeah, I thought the one that did somewhat okay uh, was the Scrubs reunion. I, for I even forgot what that was for. Uh, I think it was for Taco Bell. Okay. Yeah, oh, no, we're oh, at, like, oh, oh, it was, it was oh, just oh, Zach oh, Braff and... Oh, it was T-Mobile, excuse me. Oh, okay. That was the only one that I was, like, kind of okay with. because But Dolly Parton wasn't in that one. No, it was a separate T-Mobile one she was in. Gotcha. I was, like, trying to, like... See, this is the thing. There's just so many freaking bad commercials that we can't, like, keep track of them all. Yeah, and one more one I thought of here. The Helmets Mayo. I feel like this is a direct short, like, callback to Terry Tate off his linebacker. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, like, you even said that, too, and I'm, like, trying to remember the whole commercial now that... Yeah, Basically, they have Gerard Mayo is hitting people in the commercial, and then Pete Davis there at the end saying he's annually hittable. So, oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I think again, like, can we come up with original ideas, please? Yeah, I mean, like, remember when, like, when we were younger, the commercials were in the pro like in their prime. Yeah. And now it's just like let's just pretend to be funny. Yeah. Even Budweiser didn't give as much. They usually have something as good. Okay, first off, I have big issues with that Budweiser commercial. Yeah. If a horse breaks their leg, which that's what it looked like, you put the horse down. I saw that, and I was like, oh, my God, they're going to shoot a Budweiser horse for this commercial. Yeah. I mean, we've seen some heartwarming commercials on Budweiser. I mean, they, my fate, I think they have my all-time favorite commercial, Super Bowl, like the one where the where the dog and the horse become friends, and, they find, and the horses help the dog come back home. Like, that's, like, probably my all-time favorite commercial. Yeah, that was a great one. And they've had like a good streak since they did the uh, tribute to the 9-11 one, right? Yep. That's like the, yep. well, that's when they started to really get in their prime. Yeah. But like this year was horrible. I hated it. Yeah. So again, we'll tell you, go back and watch the halftime show. Go watch Larry Davis commercial again. I think you can skip the rest. Basically that you basically summed it up to a T. All right, Sam. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'll give you a follow on social media. Keep up with some of the stuff you're up to. Yeah, you can find, find me on Twitter at S-D-E-R-O-S-6 or on TikTok at Salmon Sports. I make some funny things sometimes. So that's what I'm on. Um, yeah, but that's how you can find me. And again, thanks for having me on for the fourth consecutive year. I can't wait for year number five. Hopefully year number five they actually figure out to give us both a good halftime show and good commercials. Dude, do we have to retire if they do that to us? Like, we'd have to, like, retire the segment. If we have some too good, we have to go out on a high note. <laughs> they're, they're not capable of doing both the same year. I know. I'm just being yeah. overly optimistic. <laughs> all right, Sam. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Mike. The two-minute drill. All right, two-minute drill time. As I talked about with Joe a little earlier in the podcast, we are talking about the fact that we are still in a lockout in Major League Baseball. Again, the Super Bowl's over. The football season's over. Usually now, this is about where we're getting ready for pitchers and catchers reporting. We have spring training games about two weeks. Opening day is about six weeks away. You can see the start of spring ahead of you. Instead, the lockout's still mowing along. Opening day is in absolute peril. Since the owners... Lock the players out on December 2nd. Remember, we had that fun week and a half of moves. Everybody was signing all the guys. There were trades happening. A lot of stuff was going on. Since that lockout happened, everything has stopped. The owners initiated the lockout. They claimed that it was to 
put economic pressure on the players and try and get to an agreement faster. Those same owners waited 43 days to pick up the phone and start negotiations again. And we heard Rob Manfred last week at his press conference say, hey, phones work two ways. Nuh-uh. When you were the one who initiates the lockout, you start the process again. So the, this is entirely amazing based on why you did not negotiate before mid-January. There have been a couple of proposals since then. There has been very minimal progress. It feels like the owners are playing games right now, trying to protect their profit margins. They made one proposal. The players made a counter. The owners told them, okay, we will get back to you in two days with a counter. They did not do that. They tried to go a mediator and say, hey, let's bring the mediator in. Let's work this out. The players refused to do that because they correctly pinpointed this is likely a PR stunt by the owners to run the clock out, waste more time, basically get them to a point and say, hey, look out, clock's ticking. The star of the calendar is here. We can't lose games, so let's make a deal. In this way, the mediator probably forces them into a deal that more beneficial to the owners than the one they're already in. The main issue here, we're going to dive more into this again next week on the podcast. The two sides cannot agree at all on the state of the economics of baseball. The owners want to maintain the status quo. The previous two CBAs, the one in 2016, the one in 2011, they tipped the scales dramatically in favor of the owners. Instead of leaving well enough alone, they basically run the end zone, spike the football in the players' faces just because they can. I mean, we have payrolls that have stayed flat. All the revenues have risen. We have teams not competing. We have players not getting paid enough. All that good stuff. Their offers right now, they basically are dressing up the old CBA with a couple of minor tweaks that they claim are addressing player issues. The players who right now most of the casual observers seem to be siding with in this dispute. They see the owners are being cheap and not paying them enough. Because again, revenues of baseball going up. They are trying to make changes to get players paid at younger ages and when they are at the peak of their powers. The owners are blocking that. They're claiming, you know, they're going to break the sport. It's expensive to run a baseball team. It's not profitable. Come on. Rob Manfred, during Super Bowl week last week, had a press conference after the owners' meetings. On Thursday, he came out and basically said, on Saturday, we're going to negotiate with an offer that would move them closer to a deal, make substantial moves. The players were predictably underwhelmed. And we'll get more into why next week. Here's the big takeaway right now. At the pressure, Rob Manfred basically said, the deadline to start the season on time is that the players have to be in training camp on March 1st. He said that as a league, they need a month of spring training. Opening day is scheduled on March 31st. You need 30 days for the players being camp. We are not going through what we did a couple years ago at summer camp, where guys train for two weeks and get a lot of injuries. Manfred also pointed out that the league can be ready to roll with spring training about a week after the CBA is signed. Because obviously there's logistical stuff going on in the background. You have coaches already going down there. You have support staff going down. Trucks and supplies being moved. That's happening as we're speaking. Backdate that from March 1st. You're looking at a deal needing to be signed by about February 23rd to prevent the loss of regular season games. And there may be slight wiggle room. It could see them maybe saying, okay, if we can get to March 4th and have camp open, that's fine. But the issue here is it's February 15th. On day of recording. We are literally about a week away from that date. And neither side appears willing to move. ahead of that huge deadline. 
If you book some flights and hotels or spring training, I hope you got refundable deposits because you're not getting that. If you have opening day tickets, which I do because I have a 20-game plan hole for the Mets, you're starting to get a little nervous. The owners have threatened weeks ago that they're willing to lose games to get their way. The players recently said, you know what, we're not backing down. We have to fight for what's right for us and the next generations. Right now, we're in a staring contest where we're waiting to see which side blinks. And the fans are the ones who end up losing. And the longer a deal takes to be delayed, the money starts to shrink a bit as well because delaying games, even if they're spring training games, that leads to teams having to give refunds to the fans who bought those tickets. It leads to refunds to the regional sports networks. And don't forget about them. They get paid back money if they do not have the right amount of inventory, right number of games to air. So if we are getting here on March 31st, and SNY is not a Met game to air, SNY gets a paycheck from back from Major League Baseball for the lack of product. MLB, and I'm going to put the majority of blame on them for this. They initiated this lockout. They have done very little proper negotiating at this point, basically trying to win the negotiations in the media and saying, oh, you know, the players being unreasonable. They are underestimating the patience of the casual baseball fans. Baseball was devastated by 1994. There were a lot of fans who never came back. There were a lot who took a while to come back. Now, though, in the modern age, with a product, in terms of entertainment value on the field is worse than the one that existed in 1994. There are a lot of casual fans who don't see a game on the 31st. They don't see the Mets hosting Washington with Jacob DeGrom on the mound. They don't see the Yankees in Texas with Garrett Cole on the mound. They don't see that they're out. There's going to be a big portion of that product. And that means lower ratings. That means lower ticket sales when the games do eventually come back. And the thing that the league has not realized that there are a lot more entertainment options for baseball fans to do in the world where there is no baseball season on time. They're not going to simply come running back. The diehards will. The diehards will say, oh, I'm not going to watch their watch. But your casual fan, the one who's not watching SMY every night to watch the Mets, not watching Yes every night to watch the Yankees, who's keeping up, will go a couple games a year. They see there's no baseball. They'll move on. They'll watch the NBA. They'll focus more on what's happened to Final Four. They'll watch Netflix. They'll check out what's going on with Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. They're not going to come back right away. And they may not come back at all. Because then they're going to say, you know what, this game is just millionaires and billionaires fighting. And then no one cares about this. Is it the best interest of the sport to get a deal done? And in this case, the owners are going to have to move. The owners are going to have to spend money here. We're going to see that they have the foresight to drive the game forward, not off the cliff. Right now, it's like they and the players are just holding the wheel, driving off the cliff, and the owners just hitting the gas pedal. We'll see what happens with that. But going forward, I want to book ahead to next. I want to thank Joe Dalizio, Sandra Rose for hopping on here, doing our Super Bowl recap, the annual tradition. You all broke us up like this podcast, including my reaction to the James Harden trade. And that was a shocker last week. Harden gets shipped out to Philly. The Nets get back Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and draft picks. Check out the blog over at justonthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-3-3-1. And coming up next week, we're going to sit. We're going to be diving into the state of the lockout. Will we have a deal by then? I don't know. We'll look at that and more. Until I hope you have a better week than Bengals fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.